0: Online at kfuo.org. And welcome to Concord Matters, the show where we seek to be of one mind. That is the mind of Christ. And to do that today, we have our usual cohort of Christ confessing Concordians here today. Layman Peter Slayton, Pastor Merit Dembski, Pastor Peter Hill, and myself, Pastor Sean Smith. And today we are going to continue looking at what we began, uh, setting up. And we really spent most of the show last week, uh, setting up. And so go, go ahead and listen to that podcast that's on demand for you at KFU. Um, org, And uh, you, you can certainly find it there and get all the setup for this. But we're going to dig more into the text today and talk about what role the saints really do play in the Lutheran church and that we do honor them. And, you know, just by way of poor segue here, too, by the way, I'm just <laughs> letting you know right now um, here in a little bit after the show, I'm going to go down to uh, Chick-fil-A. And, uh, have some Chick-fil-A because there's a fundraiser for Lutheran High School South going on there from four to, uh, I, f- I forget the time, six. All right, I can read that backwards even, yeah. And so from four to six, you can uh, help support uh, Lutheran High School South uh, here in the St. Louis area. And so uh, head on down to the Sunset Hills uh, Chick Fil A and do that. I'll certainly be there because you know you should eat more chicken. And I was thinking about that, and this is my poor segue. You know, we should. I was hoping you'd get to that. We should honor more saints. You know, spelled M O R too. You know, when we spell more. That that's a visual joke that doesn't work on the radio, Pastor Smith. But, but they I, have radio. No, they say it on the radio too. This isn't live, right? That, we can but, cut that out, right? But you, What you yeah. should do, we'll edit that out later. And post. Eat more chicken, while you honor more saints.
2: I thought you were going to talk about we should saint the founder of Chick Fil A or something like that. That should also should be, be a sainted thing after that's, a, that's we, a different we, church body that's already done
0: that. Oh, no, they done. did. Yeah, <laughs> we definitely need to have a Chick Fil A commemoration day.
1: Our, our social media manager and producer here at KFUO I think would be really eager to work that out. So uh, if she does that, thanks in advance, Studio Mom said. Yeah, thanks in uh, advance. And uh, but I think that as we talk about honoring uh, eating more chicken and honoring saints, it's always important to remember what it means to honor. And And I think we should make a really important distinction between there is honoring, as in looking up to and recognizing the faith that God has given to the saints, and recognizing that doesn't mean that we are worshiping saints. We aren't calling upon them. Uh, Last week, I know we spent quite a bit of time talking about invoking and what it meant to invoke or to place uh, someone's name on you. We don't call out to any of the saints or any of the Old Testament faithful. Rather, we call out to Christ, and we recognize what Christ has done for For the saints who have died and for the saints who are living like us and for our listeners. And so we look forward to having that conversation of honor, but not worship.
0: I I mean, which really does make my point because, you know, I don't invoke S. Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, when when I enjoy the Chick-fil-A, especially the chicken biscuits, which are only in the morning, unfortunately. So I can't have that tonight. But, you know, I certainly do remember fondly. You know, this wonderful thing that he's contributed to society and the world, you know, with this wonderful Chick-fil-A chicken. Um and so that that's what we do with the Saints, but in terms of their faith, certainly, right? And when we commemorate them. So that is that is well said, and I'm sorry for the poor no, segue no, no, and commercial. Fine. Uh but uh I, I did want to share, you know, so that our These listeners in know. the St. Louis area could, could go support Lutheran High School South, <laughs> eat more chicken while they honor more saints, I, I like and, and the, then we'll just get into it.
2: I like the Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich better. How is that analogous to our discussion about the saints today?
0: <laughs> it, it, doesn't, it doesn't play in, oh. because they're not supporting a Lutheran institution like Lutheran High School South. So I'm one of the adversaries, then. Yes. I'm just they're glad we got there. in your text
3: so quickly today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. I'm just diving right yeah. into it. I'm so glad I messaged you guys yesterday and said we were going to hit the text harder today. <laughs> Um, so that we could do that—that's our amazing um, show
2: prepability. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, let, let's without further ado, let's get into it. While my mouth waters for chicken, which we'll be satisfied later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And we are picking up with paragraph four. So we, we just barely scratched the surface as we got into last week, but, but we did a lot of really good things in setting it up. But we're picking up with paragraph four of article 21 of the invocation of saints. And this is found in the apology to the Augsburg confession. And it reads as such our confession approves honoring saints in three ways so i'm just gonna pause there real quick we do honor saints alright and, and we kinda of set that up last week and we've talked about it here already so we do as lutherans honor the saints We did not throw the baby out with the bathwater at the time of the reformation continue on then the first is thanksgiving we should thank god because he has shown examples of mercy because he wishes to save people and because he has given teachers and other gifts to the church these gifts, since they are the greatest, should be amplified. The saints themselves, who have fully used these gifts, should be praised just as Christ praises faithful businessmen. Matthew twenty-five, twenty-one, and 23. The second service is the strengthening of our faith. When we see Peter's denial forgiven, we also are encouraged to believe all the more that grace truly supra over sin, as it says in Romans 5.20. The third honor is the imitation first of faith then of our of the other virtues everyone should imitate the saints according to his calling I'm going to go ahead and pause there, and, and we'll just talk about kind of this threefold, now that we've got it laid out, this threefold way in which we honor the saints. And so, uh, uh, Layman Slayton, you you were talking last week about growing up in your background, mm-hmm. and Pastor Dembski, you also have this in your background as well, where you kind of came from uh, Christian traditions here in, in America and so forth that really just has no place for the saints, yeah. and yet you've come to appreciate these things. So so talk about this threefold way in which we do honor the saints how, how has that been beneficial for you coming into the lutheran church and seeing the role that yeah. that they can play well this the the way
2: this is written and the examples they're giving the first thing that we need to notice about it is none of these actually cause us to focus on the saints if we're reading carefully first of all we're not thanking the saints we're thanking god we're thanking god for providing examples that we can look back and follow examples who have faithfully used the gifts that they've been given. In in the same way that as as any Christian would look to other Christians and say what does the Christian life look like? How am I supposed to live this? We 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 tend to look around us to to try and find faithful godly examples of people that we can follow, not in the sense that those people have it all figured out and those people have it perfect and they've attained this level of holiness you know that that gets them some sort of merit it's it's not that way at all but we are scripture does say hey there are examples for you follow those examples because those individuals follow Christ they point to Christ and they raise him up as primary over anything else and so this threefold example as it's talking through it's as I'm reading it I'm like yeah that well i kind of do that already i just didn't really call it saints i didn't really think of those as saints there's a fantastic series if if you homeschool that's how i got um, introduced to it was homeschooling growing up but the whole series on various reformers and missionaries and evangelists throughout history i can't remember the name of the series and it's from a very evangelical perspective but the whole point of the series is raising up these people as examples throughout all of christian history and here's a book biography of each of these individuals, and the intent is read it and follow the example of these people. Well, that, uh, what, what what's actually missing on the evangelical side is we follow them because they follow Christ and point us to Christ. The downfall on the evangelical side is you actually end up following them for their own sake, and you end up missing Christ. So, thinking of it that way, my evangelical background actually does have a Roman Catholic kind of version of saints already <laughs> built into it and coming to a more faithful version of what the saints are is actually more consistent with the evangelical attempt of what, what I was trying to do. I mean, if, I'm kind of talking in circles now if that makes sense, but it, it's that irony of, well, that's what I was looking for and I found it here.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right there too. And I, I, it makes one of the points that I've often made um, myself too is that if you look at contemporary american evangelicalism and you hold it up to the roman catholic church at the time of the reformation they're kind of mirror images of themselves of one another in a lot of ways yeah and certainly in this way and i think i think you know when we when we do that we kind of do this naturally right uh you know we we all have loved ones that passed on and so forth and uh you know for me i i certainly remember my grandparents conrad and ruth uh um who were you know uh, wonderful examples for our whole family of living a life in faith and so forth. Now that they passed on, you know, it, it, it's kind of always in the back of our minds, you know, emulating what we saw in them in their living out of faith, right? And so this this kind of happens by nature, you know, and, and it happens with other things too. We do things that they enjoyed and things like that, and and so it's really wonderful when we focus in on the faith. But the danger then becomes that we follow them for their own sake, mm-hmm. um, and and instead of the one that they hoped in and the one that they focused on, Christ himself.
1: I do find that it's kind of interesting that when we think about our grandparents or people who we know who have gone before us in the faith, uh, you talk about your grandparents Conrad and Ruth, I talk about my grandparents Herb and Tilly, and I I still remember my my grandmother teaching me the Lord's Prayer and the Apostles' Creed. She taught me how to go to church uh, in a large part, and that's one of my, my fondest memories of my grandmother. And we are eager to tell those stories, but sometimes in, in Lutheran churches, we are much more willing to talk about our grandparents who helped teach us the faith than we are to talk about, perhaps, Paul the Apostle, or Luke the Evangelist, or Peter, uh, also the Apostle. Uh, and... And we're concerned about giving too much honor to those who wrote down the inspired scriptures as opposed to... Uh, but we, we don't have those same concerns about uh, respecting and honoring the faith that God has given to our grandparents. It's a interesting juxtaposition that I find.
3: And as uh,
1: uh,
3: Layman Slayton said, I never know where to just say Peter. <laughs> so if, but Whatever. Many, whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, like you were saying, we and as we've kind of already said we look to examples already in our lives of people who have inspired us uh, and I know that I grew up hearing about like the publication Voice of the Martyrs or Fox's Book of Martyrs, that sure. have examples of people who have given their lives for the sake of the faith, and you read it and you kind of feel encouraged, you feel, you know, uh, bolstered up in your own faith. If these people went on to die for the sake of their faith, then why would I deny it myself? You know, like those kind of things, and inspires us. And yet, throughout the church year, we have these days to remember uh, the people who have gone before us, those whether they died naturally or through martyrdom um, and all that they did for the church. And you get that bit of history that uh, growing up, I didn't really have church history like uh, you had the Acts, the Book of Acts, and then you had the seventeen, eighteen hundreds, 18 hundreds and maybe 1900s, you know, like that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And that's, and all the middle stuff was a mistake. First great
2: awakening, second great awakening, missionaries, you know, Hudson, Taylor, William Carey, that kind of stuff.
3: Right, exactly. And actually one thing I didn't know until recently was part of the second great awakening stuff was a kind of rejection of tradition, which I didn't realize that was kind of a legacy of it of kind of like saying, ah, the church got a whole bunch of stuff wrong. We can't really talk about that stuff. We're going to kind of start from scratch and that kind of pulls in and uh, you have a lot of. Uh, fringe groups that start coming because of that saying the church had all these mistakes they had all these problems and so we got to fix it now and yet every year when we go through we see oh wait there is this rich tradition we see the faithfulness of god's people all through history and we get a reminder that um that the whole telephone thing like that was the most amazing thing to me when i found out oh wait a minute you got this guy named polycarp You've got, like, these church fathers that, like, sat at the feet of apostles and, like, passed this on that it wasn't just, like, one guy whispered Jesus to someone and now we've got this whole mythology that's built up around Jesus or something. But, like, no, there is a whole history of people and the the richness and the, the, the many volumes of works that they've put together. And we remember those people and we are encouraged by what they have done for the faith. And as we've said already, because they point us to Christ and we thank him for the gifts that these people have given
0: and I think it's important here, too, to I, maybe it's just advertising day for me. I don't know. But uh, if this is about we, Chick-fil-A, think for just a second <laughs> yeah. or else no, I'm going to turn no, this into no, a VeggieTales no, episode no, again. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 oh, no. It's, it's another advertisement. But but I think one that's important to make here because we have our own rich history and tradition in these things as well. And you guys have mentioned several resources that are out there. Um, you know, we're celebrating 150 years of having Concordia Publishing House, the publishing arm of the Lutheran Church of Missouri Senate very proud of and they have great resources available mm-hmm. for these things one of the things that I've really found beneficial is the Treasury of daily prayer mm-hmm. which every yeah. time that there is a commemoration of one of the Saints and church fathers and things like that uh, they'll tell you a little bit about them and then there's a prayer of a day associated usually uh, if they have some writings they'll have you know one of the writings uh, associated with the scripture passages that day from that one that we're, we're commemorating another one is and, celebra- and before you go before oh, you go, go on I was just gonna no. say
3: that Treasury of daily prayer has an app that you can also use called pray now that is the yep, treasury daily prayer right. they open it up and so
0: before you left treasury i just want to say there's right. an app version of yeah, it I, have that's school, uh, yeah. All, I have the yeah, old android and itunes and i have the old school uh, yep. kindle uh, one right. for for yeah. traveling around but i also have the paper one multiple copies I, right, it's, yeah. it's a great resource <laughs> it's also uh, really good uh,
1: right. <laughs> just I mean, to carry it. just to just to capture all of those rich scriptures and writings yeah. i mean
0: yeah, they also have a a, another devotional that kind of goes, does the same thing. And it's a year with the church fathers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a really good one. There's another one that, uh, uh, Pastor Will Whedon, uh, worked on and that's celebrating the saints. All these available from CPH. And, uh, yeah. and so, you know, those, you guys were just mentioning resources and right. I thought, you know, this is a good place to point to because you will find, and, and I do this, um, you know, on Wednesday nights is when I have Bible class because I have a dual parish. You got to kind of do it in the week and so forth. And I always you know use the prayer of the day from the treasury of daily prayer and whenever it's one of the commemoration of the saints day so last last Wednesday we had Zechariah and Sarah and so forth and i always try to test them and say you know you get super duper awesome lutheran points if you know which saint we're commemorating this day or whatever and things like that but but it really does kind of formulate as you go through it personally and you know corporately and so forth and you see these commemorations you see this threefold thing flowing out you see how god worked his mercy in their lives right and it does strengthen your faith i mean you you're talking about voice of the martyrs mm-hmm. and so forth and your own background and so forth how it does it does strengthen your faith you know you're like yeah god has been merciful and, and god you know continues to hold his church even though you know the gates of hell may be railing against it they will not prevail against it right and and so it does strengthen our faith it gives us you know encouragement in the battle and then uh you know it also encourages us to imitate their faith you know, I, I I certainly it's no secret to anyone who's listened to this podcast or show that uh, you know CFW Walter. 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 Yeah, well, there it yeah, is. Here yep. it is. Yep. How yep. many we minutes in did it come? We, to we got it. Twenty-one. That's yeah. going to be We're.
1: over the over under. Yeah. 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 I, Sorry,
0: I, I, I. but but certainly, I mean, you know, I, it, it's it's has influenced the way that I carry. Carry out and conduct my pastoral ministry, and also my life as a Christian, as we imitate these these different saints. Uh, and so, this threefold purpose really does begin to play out. The more the more you make use of helpful, beneficial resources, because ultimately it's always pointing you to Christ, right? I think one of the difficult things,
2: whenever, and I've I've brought this up many times as we've been reading through the Book of Concord, the Augsburg Apology in particular, is okay. How does this actually matter? in my daily life how does this actually fit and as we're talking about the threefold I do actually I want to go back to one of those resources the celebrating the saints by Pastor Whedon only because if, if as you're listening to us and the other hosts talking about this particular article and you're trying to figure out okay what difference does this make why does this even matter or okay but show me what this looks like what does this actually look like as a Lutheran as a Christian to treat the saints with honor, uh, this threefold Thanksgiving. Well, celebrating the saints is actually an excellent example of what that actually looks like. Each saint, it's it's two pages per saint. Here's a little biographical information, and then here's maybe a hymn verse that is written about that same sort of uh, situation, and then there's a prayer to God in Thanksgiving for that saint, for the specific things in which that saint is an example for us. To follow in how they point us to Christ. I mean, so it models this this threefold purpose very, very well. So I, I would recommend it based on that and do it along with your daily devotions because there's you don't have a saint for every day. There's you know, it's not a three hundred and sixty-five thing, you know, days thing. We don't do that as Lutherans, we don't have one for every day. Um, but that's that's just a good example of okay, here's what this actually looks like.
3: Well, in and part of this, you brought up that point of how does this matter? Why does this matter? And when we talk about points of our Christian faith and our Christian teaching, it it gets under your skin sometimes when people will be like, well, it doesn't really matter. Like, you pray to saints. I don't. You think they're cool. I don't think so. You know, it doesn't matter. It's like, there's a big difference. Like, if, if the, the reformers are saying you shouldn't be putting your trust and faith in the dead, then we probably shouldn't be. You know, like if if uh, if scripture does not encourage us to do so, then it's wrong to do so. You know, and so when people talk about it not being a big deal to do this or that or, you know, whether we agree on this teaching or that teaching, can't we just be friends? It's like, yeah, we can be friends, but one of us is still wrong, you know, like I mean, and I'm not going to be a jerk about it. But at the same time, I'm going to say, here's what scripture teaches and I care about you. And that's why I'm telling you. This is what it means, (laughs) you know, like, and that kind of thing. And so uh, the whole how we live it out, but also Mm -hmm. why does it matter? I mean, of course, contextually, we might not in the broad culture right now be having this battle of whether to honor the saints or not, you know, like that kind of thing. So in that sense, uh, like in the broader American Christian culture, you know, but it's still it still is a big deal of how we deal with the saints and what
0: Well, is. and just on that point, too, Jesus himself points to this kind of thing when in the gospels we see this the woman comes in and anoints him, right? Mm-hmm. And and the disciples are even like, "Oh no, you know, get her out of here. You know, that money could have been used for something else. It could have been sold and and the money used for something else." And he says, "No, this will be told of her for generations to come." I mean, and so he he kind of even points to it, it's good to to see her focus on Christ and that will be recorded in scripture, and "told of her." for generations to come. And so Jesus himself points to this can be a really good, helpful, beneficial thing. And, mm-hmm. and I have found, as with all of these things, it's for the Christian comfort because there's no shortage in our lives, especially as Christians, when we face persecution or we face difficult times or uh, you know, trial and tribulation or just whatever we may face in life. And, and we constantly look for something of comfort, right? And what we're simply saying here is, there is comfort for you, and you can find that comfort in the saints. If you if you're facing some really difficult, um, you know, times in life and so forth, learn about Paul Gerhardt, hymn writer, Lutheran hymn writer. His life. I mean, he lost children. He was fired from his uh, pastoral ministry in the in the church and so forth, and kicked out and run out and things. And 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 yet god's grace prevailed his mercy prevailed in all of this and he wrote some of the most beautiful hymns that we have and so forth and you can find these comforts in here and the reason that this is contained in the augsburg uh, augsburg confession apology the augsburg confession is because the danger that you still see and we've talked about several times um that uh you know you can take it too far and so the christian life is always one lived intention and so you got to hold that tension and not you know not invoke them not put your hope not find or comfort in them themselves but in how god has been merciful strengthening and and uh you know uplifting um to them by faith and then we can imitate that as well and so you you really do see this threefold way play out in real life when, when you make use of it okay let's keep reading all right let's do it uh so we're gonna pick up then uh with paragraph seven The adversaries do not require these true honors. They argue only about invocation, which, even if it were not dangerous, still is not necessary. Besides, we also grant that the angels pray for us. For there is a passage in Zechariah 1, verse 12, where an angel prays, O Lord of hosts, how long will you have no mercy on Jerusalem? We admit that just as the saints, when alive, pray for the church universal in general, so in heaven they pray for the church in general. However, no passage about the praying of the dead exists in the scriptures except the dream taken from the second book of Maccabees, 15, verse 14. That's in the Apocrypha for our listeners who aren't familiar with uh, Maccabees. Furthermore even if the saints do... You know what? I'm not going to say furthermore. Let, let's just stop there. Let's deal with that. <laughs> I, I think that that's a chunk to wrestle with. And so you know, as we were saying just before we uh, continue reading there, uh, the, the issue here is that there was clearly bad teaching going on at the time of the Reformation. It's still in the Roman Catholic Church uh, with regards to these things and even plays out in American evangelicalism. And so the problem is invocation, right? Calling on, looking for uh, their help and so forth. And then and we kind of have this. It can be a little confusing. I know, Pastor Hill, you were definitely, uh, you know, uh, going to be helpful to us in, in wrestling what, what's going on in this paragraph where we're citing uh, uh, Zechariah here in Maccabees.
1: So, as they're going along, the one of the lines that the uh, Roman Catholic adversaries was bringing up against the the Lutheran confessors was that they they said, "But the angels pray for us." And they would go to this passage from Zechariah, which was a vision and a prophecy where an angel is speaking to God. Uh, But when the angel is speaking to God, uh, and this is where I'm going to maybe differ just a little bit with the, the biblical interpretation of the confessors. That's something that we do give ourselves leeway to do, to say, I agree with what the confessors say, but I'm not exactly in lockstep with the way that they understand scripture uh as far as the the interpretive uh, matrix that they use to do that and they'll grant uh, especially for the sake of discussion that angels pray for us i'm personally still not convinced that zechariah one twelve, where this angel is speaking to god is a prayer it's an angel speaking to god uh for me, when I define a prayer, I think of a person speaking to God, which is a, a different thing altogether. And to put angels and people in the same plane, I don't think is really all that helpful. Uh, but nonetheless, for the sake of conversation, I'm also willing to give this uh, the room of saying, sure, angels talk to God. That's that's great. Um, that doesn't mean, though, that we pray through angels or through people who have, who have died. And so while this describes something that happens in scripture, it doesn't tell us how we are to live our Christian lives today. And so I'm okay with saying, yeah, this is descriptive of something that happened in a vision in the prophet Zechariah. That doesn't mean, though, that God has Commanded or authorized us to pray through angels or through saints.
0: It makes me even think of you know the vision that comes in Revelation too, where we have the saints under the altar crying out, "How long, O Lord, until you avenge?" and and so we certainly see the the saints there gathered in Revelation, the angel and so forth, you know, talking to God and praying these things that the church has always prayed, right? Um, but it, it's it's definitely it, it would be a poor move and in interpreting that well because this is going on and it clearly shows up in scripture that means i should pray to these guys because they're close to god and praying and talking I, there's no evidence from scripture itself to, to point us into that conclusion and so you're just simply saying you know if i if i can summarize uh, a little bit too here is that you know this this is um you know, we're we're granting it for the sake of argument, um, but then trying to fix your faulty thinking. And we're going to continue fixing faulty thinking right after this break. This week on The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah.
1: We'll talk about making a career out of helping others with Bethesda Lutheran communities, hear from missionary Ben Helge about his work in the Czech Republic, and share a story of the importance of Christ-centered education for a Lutheran school family.
0: Dr. Becky Schmidt helps us understand the high standards of National Lutheran School accreditation. If you're a golfer, we have a fantastic event to share with you, and we continue our Lutherans for Life conference speaker series with Deaconess Dr. Chrissy Gillette.
1: The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah weekdays at 9 a.m. on KFUO, underwritten by Concordia University, Wisconsin.
0: My name is Jim. I'm a veteran, and I lost both legs in Vietnam. My victory was proving that disability is not a limitation. I'm Julius.
3: I'm a veteran. My victory was going from homeless to home. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned.
0: I'm CeCe. My victory was finishing my education.
3: When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.
1: Three things make a believer. oratio, meditatio, tentatio. Prayer, meditation, and growth. Which is why every weekday morning from 7 to 8 a.m. we bring you oratio, an hour of solace, contemplation, scripture, sacred music, and faith. Oratio, The dawn breaks with prayer every morning on Worldwide KFUO. Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack. On September 11, 2001, as two planes flew into the towers of the World Trade Center in New York City, a third hitting the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., and a fourth crashing in Pennsylvania, over 3,000 people died. In President George W. Bush's address to the nation, he asked for prayer for the families of those killed. Quoting from the Bible in Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. None of us will ever forget this day, yet we go forward to defend freedom and all that is good and just in our world. Thank you. Good night, and God bless America. Engage with the Bible in its timeless encouragement and hope. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible.
0: And welcome back to Concord Matters with layman Peter Slayton, Pastor Mayor Dembski, Pastor Peter Little, and myself, Pastor Sean Smith. And I forgot to give in the first uh, half hour of the show that uh, we, we are an interacting show. You can interact with us and talk about uh, saints are eating more chicken. Uh, you can join us later uh, as we support Lutheran High School South uh, here in the St. Louis area at the Sunset Hills Chick-fil-A and enjoy the, the wonderful Product of St. S. Truett um, And then. Uh, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> the comments also, uh, only <laughs> make sense
2: because last week we talked about all Christians are saints even while they're alive, so we can call him that without being Catholic.
0: Hasn't he passed on though? I think, I think oh, he has. Oh, has he? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh, he had. Okay. Yeah. I must have anyway, thinking about the sun. But getting back to, to the show chick here, um, yeah, you can interact with us um, via a call in, one eight hundred seven three zero two seven two seven, 730 2727 or you can find us on social media at KFUO Radio, or you can also email KFUO at KFUO.org. So please send your, uh, Chick-fil-A re- oh, I mean, sorry, Concord Matters, <laughs> and honoring the saints uh... related uh... questions our way and uh... so right before the break though um, we had to take a hard break uh... there and so uh... as you come back we w- we want to wrap up what we were talking about there we had we had a where there for the sake of argument granting um, that uh... angels pray the saints certainly talk to god um, and uh... they cited a, a passage from zechariah and pastoral talked mm-hmm. really well about that and then um and they also had this uh, second book of Maccabees here, and and so they said, you know. However, no passage about the praying of the dead exists in the scriptures except the dream taken from the second book of Maccabees. And I said when I was reading that that that's you know found in the Apocrypha, which we have. We again we talked about CPH. You can get the Lutheran edition of the Apocrypha, uh, which would include this uh, book of Maccabees here. Um, however. If you open up your Bibles, and, and and for those who aren't really familiar with the Apocrypha and things, in, in most of our Bibles, now if you have a Roman Catholic uh, Bible, you will still have the Apocrypha in there. But most of our Bibles um, in the United States, and certainly the ones we use in our Lutheran churches, won't have this right there in the Bibles. So, So why are the Lutherans including this with the scriptures uh layman slayton i th- i believe you wanted to talk about it yeah,
2: well i wanted to ask about it because i mean as i read this scriptures is capitalized and when we do that that editorial decision means for me okay that's the bible and now it says second book of maccabees as part of the bible and so my my evangelical bells are going off getting like whoa, whoa 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 that's that's not the bible that's some of those extra catholic books over there but the way it's written here the reformers seem to be referring to it well, seem to be as the key word, as equal to, you know, the the rest of scripture. So how do I how do I take this as I'm reading it? Okay, what did they actually mean here when they include it in scriptures?
1: The Lutheran reformers really took a high view of the Apocrypha. And as they would talk about the Apocrypha, uh, Luther and other reformers would often say, these are good books to read. And after the studying of the scriptures, Christians should read these books as well, but always understand them in accordance with the inspired word, the inspired books of scripture. And so there is a point where the Apocrypha is, is held up and recommended for study, not as scripture, but uh, as good things to read. Uh, and especially Maccabees is a historical book. It's about, uh, I think, one of the best wrestling names um, in the ancient Middle East, uh, the name Maccabees means hammer, and so it's all about Judas the Hammer leading a revolt against the Romans and the Greek sorry <laughs> the Greeks not the Romans. Interesting story, nonetheless. It's not inspired canonical scripture, uh, but there is this reference here, where uh, in a dream there is a reference to praying uh, uh, of the of the dead praying. Uh, this isn't canonical scripture, and it's in a dream. And I, I think that the confessors are granting this once again for the sake of discussion, uh, but I don't think the confessors are saying, yeah, we believe that the dead pray on our behalf.
2: So when they say scriptures here, they, is it also the case where they're not... They're, they're simply wanting to reference it that way, so they're not throwing one more you know, issue at, at the at the adversaries by saying it's not inspired and we shouldn't be looking at this as all they're saying you know what we'll even grant that we'll we'll look at these as as scripture even though we're not going to consider them inspired and on the same level as the rest of scripture but once again for the sake of argument we're not going to split those hairs in this moment that's how i take it yeah
0: well and and it's it's always and we've referenced this on the show several times, you know, it, it's always helpful to remember that these are classically trained folks uh, in, in how they're uh, handling this debate with the adversaries. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, we get this even in the sense that it's called the apology, the defense of. Right. And so they're using rhetoric and the, and the two pillars of rhetoric are. Our audience and purpose and so when you're trying to get your purpose that hey there's this real like faith destroying error going on in the church when it comes to invoking the saints you know they're, they're going to make that their their primary focus and they're going to address that and because they do have the high view and we still do I know uh, the when I served in Nashville, Illinois uh, and I was in that circuit we would get together once a month as pastors we call that a winkle and uh, um, we would study the scripture and the Lutheran Confessions, uh, as is typical in most circuits, but when I was in that circuit, we would actually look through the Apocrypha as well and and you know gain insight from that because the Lutheran confessors did have that high view of it and it does contain a lot of really good history and so forth and so for for the sake of this you know trying to to win their their brothers in Christ here. Uh, the the roman catholic theologians they're they're just not even gonna uh, deal with you know what is canonical and what is not and i also have to confess here that i am not personally aware of when in the reformation the lutherans kind of made that distinction of kind of returning to the original canonical books of the bible and and separating out the apocrypha i'm not quite sure when that happened so it could be right around here it could be before i'm not sure
1: if my history uh If my remembrance of history is correct, uh, even in the Luther Bible, when he translated the Old Testament, he also translated the Apocrypha with it.
2: Right. And I believe the earliest versions of the King James Bible also included the Apocrypha, too. So it's even after the Reformation into the 1600s, you're still getting that translated and included as all of Scripture.
0: Right. So for the sake of the purpose that they're trying to, to get and the audience that they have with those who are including this in their scriptures, it, look, it, it's it's not going to unmake their point here to simply grant it and say, look, OK, fine. And then they're going to move on. But Pastor Dembski wants to say something before well, we move on.
3: I had not heard or realized that the earlier King James versions included the Apocrypha as part of it. And I only think that's interesting because of the people who suggest that the King James version like descended from heaven and is the only inspired, true. You know, it's you're like, having
0: some fun with our American evangelical well, Southern and, Baptist well, friends.
3: Depends. I mean, it depends on who. I mean, there's different people that have that, and different like cross denominational. I've have encountered Lutherans with, who have but, that
2: view too. So yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's and it depends on who you're talking to.
3: But the person that says King James is like the only thing. Be like, oh, do you know? Because <laughs> you know, I, I had no idea that that was part of the beginning you know or the first
0: i would say probably only on christmas eve the luke 2 reading that has to be king james but other than that right didn't (laughs) really yeah true anyway let's move on though because this does does make their point good in the king james too though it is yeah. and whenever i do a funeral service it is that yeah. one too yeah. yeah okay that's a fair point now i'll let but you move moving on. on okay but moving on because it does make their point here of again recognizing who their audience is and their purpose of what they're trying to convey they, they continue on so continue on with paragraph 10. furthermore even if the saints do pray for the church That does not mean they should be invoked. And that's kind of what we were making the point here just a minute ago. There's nothing in scriptures that that cite this. Continue on. Our confession affirms only this. Scripture does not teach the invocation of saints or that we are to ask the saints for aid. Since neither a command nor a promise nor an example can be produced from the scriptures about the invocation of saints. It makes sense that conscience remains uncertain about this invocation. Since prayer should be made from faith, how do we know that God approves this invocation? Without the testimony of Scripture, how do we know that the saints know about the prayers of each one? Some plainly ascribe divinity to the saints, namely that they discern the silent thoughts of our minds. They argue about the morning and evening knowledge, perhaps because they doubt whether the saints hear us in the morning or the evening. They invent these things. Not to honor the saints, but to defend profitable services. It's, it's really always about that, right? Just follow the money trail. And especially when it comes to the Roman Catholic Church, is really good at it. Um, it generally is what's behind this invention of theology. Uh, and we've said it many times on this show, and this is certainly the case here. The adversaries cannot produce anything against this argument. Since the invocation of saints does not have a testimony from God's word, it cannot be affirmed that the saints understand our invocation, or even if they understand it, that God approves it. Therefore, the adversaries should not force us into an uncertain matter because a prayer without faith is not prayer. For when they cite the church's example, it is clear that this is a new custom in the church. Although the old prayers mention the saints, they do not invoke the saints. This new invocation in the church is unlike the invocation of individuals. So we made this point. Scripture gives no evidence to this. And it's a rather new invention um, at, at the time of the Reformation, right? Uh, you know, that, that it had come in. It certainly wasn't there in the early church fathers. Although they're kind of conceding another point here. Yes, we grant that some prayers mention the saints. And we talked about earlier the treasury of daily prayer and the different resources that are available there. And I mentioned that in the treasury of daily prayer, the prayer of the day, when it's on a commemoration of a saint, will often mention that saint, uh, or saints that we're, we're talking about on that day. But it always points to, you know, uh, the, the prayers that, that, that it balls it usually points to you know give us faith like they had or you know uh you know strengthen us as you did them and and things of that nature help us bear our cross and And those
1: prayers are always addressed to god uh, with with words like merciful father or or god our father in heaven or lord jesus christ or holy spirit and there's no doubt in those prayers that we are invoking the name of god uh and we are praying concerning the saints but we're praying ultimately to god you know, there, there's another point that's made right here in the middle of this paragraph that I think is worth
2: focusing on for a little bit, uh, where where the where Melanchthon says since prayer should be made from faith, a uh, little bit before he said, you know, we're uncertain about this because Scripture doesn't mention it. So faith is equated with certainty, that which we we know for sure, um, and because we know for sure because Scripture speaks of it. So this is. Can I use the term gray area? I don't know. I might get in trouble for that. But just, it's one of those where we can't, as Lutherans, as Christians, we want to stand firm on that which we are certain of, that our our faith is founded in certainty. Our certainty, our faith is only founded on that which Scripture clearly says, not things that Scripture doesn't say, which also means we need to be very careful that we're not And I think this is why they're willing to grant some of these arguments is because, look, some of these things that we're just granting for the sake of argument, they're in uncertainty because Scripture doesn't say one way or the other. So we're willing to just kind of let that slide and not really hammer on you over here, adversaries, because we, we say, yes, Scripture doesn't say one way or the other. There is uncertainty, and we're okay with that. But in the area where there is certainty, where faith is Certain where things are at stake, that Scripture clearly says we are going to stand firmly on those things, and I think that's it's a good thing for us to remember as we talk about this issue. Okay, should I get Pastor Whedon's book and you know make sure I'm using that in my regular daily devotions? Well, no, you don't have to, and I'm not going to yell at you if you don't. Hey, it's a it's a great resource, but because of the area in which we find ourselves, in which this this issue is discussed where there's so much uncertainty i'm not going to hammer on you and yell at you if you don't do something that i have found to be beneficial and helpful because well scripture doesn't tell you that you really need to celebrate these people either let's so just kind of be careful where we're drawing our line and where we're making our stand and that kind of stuff and i think melanchthon kind of hints at that right here in the
3: middle well, that is kind of the beautiful thing that when we don't have an answer, we can just be honest and say, I don't know. I, I don't know for sure. You know, and I made the comment before of of uh, being right or wrong. And part of the point here is there isn't a firm like there's other scriptures that they don't reference here, at least not at the moment um, that we can go to about what happens in death and, you know, like all that kind of stuff. But um, there are so many topics that we can look at and legitimately say, we don't have a solid, like, verse-for-verse answer that we can have peace and we can use our, uh, our best, um, the, the mind that God has given to us, you know, to, to see what Scripture does say about the topic and, and be faithful to what Scripture says. But that was something that was really nice when I came to the Lutheran Church and had some more of that kind of um, experience of having, well, how do we answer this? Don't know. You know? God has
2: not revealed that to us exactly. that's actually a very good answer to give. <laughs> mm-hmm. God hasn't revealed that to us, therefore, there is no way we could ever know
0: and, and even more too i I think their their real point here, especially is is that there's this whole theology built up on top of this I mean this is very part and parcel of what's going on in the yeah. Reformation is the you know uh going to the saints to get these indulgences and and, and all sorts of other things that are going on at the time that the Lutherans are like, look, you've built all this theology up and it creates such uncertainty because the only certainty we can ever have is what God's Word gives us, right? That that we can be certain of, because it is God's Word to us, right? And you've built up this whole theology, and there's nothing that clearly spells out that this is going on, and, except for maybe these passages that might lead us to this conclusion, but that's so uncertain to build a whole theology and a whole practice and, and, and to to direct people to find comfort in this um, when it's just not there. And so, uh, again, they're, they're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater and saying, well, the saints, you know, let's just get rid of that entirely uh, because that's uncertain. No, we, we honor the saints for that threefold way that we talked about. Um, that is not uncertain. That can clearly, uh, you know, provide comfort and strengthen our faith and all those things that they laid out. But what is uncertain is is trusting in the saints, invoking, calling on the saints to pray for you, uh, that they 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 give you some merit um, uh, for time off purgatory. Which purgatory itself, we've talked about, is another one of these uncertain things. How that many they have layers whole, of uncertainty know, do we have right? built into this? They just have so yeah. much built up in their theology on uncertain things that God's word doesn't give us clearly.
1: Um, thinking about trying to keep things clear just heard from one of our listeners carl in illinois who let us know that uh in german editions of the bible the apocrypha was included until the 70s uh but
0: the in 1970s the- or
1: 1870s i believe the 1970s maybe carl will let me know again if i if i mess that up he said the 70s I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know if Walter's Bible had
0: the Apocrypha in it. I, and that's the litmus test for that's, Pastor Smith, so... <laughs> we can
1: only have certainty if Walther's Bible had it, does that but, work? But once again, we don't look to the Apocrypha for that certainty. Uh, it is something that uh, around the turn of the century into the 1900s uh, did not appear in English translations of the Bible. Uh, and so that is something we know hist- on the historical record. However, like I said before, and the really important part is we don't place the basis for our faith in the Apocrypha. Uh, we place it ultimately in Christ. Uh, and that's where the saints point us, and that is the the example for the saints and that the saints provide for us.
0: Certainly. I want to push a little more and, and get a little more into the text if we can, because I, I think there's some more that unfolds here. So, as they say, uh, further, continuing on with paragraph uh, 14. Uh, further the adversaries not only require invocation in worshiping the saints but also apply the merits of the saints to others. They make the saints not only intercessors but also people who make atonement. This cannot be tolerated. Here honor that belongs to Christ alone is completely transferred to the saints the adversaries make them mediators and atonement makers although they distinguish between mediators of intercession and mediators the mediator of redemption they plainly make the saints mediators of redemption without the testimony of scripture they declare that the saints are mediators of intercession this be it said this be it said ever so reverently still clouds over christ's office and transfers to the saints the confidence of mercy belonging to christ people imagine that christ is stricter and the saints more easily appeased they trust the saints mercy rather than Christ's mercy they flee from christ and seek the saints so they actually make the saints mediators of redemption therefore we will show that the adversaries truly make the saints not just intercessors but atonement makers that is mediators of redemption here we will not describe the abuses of the common people we are still speaking about the opinions of the doctors of theology, I'll throw that in. Regarding the rest, even the inexperienced can judge. I think we've just hit the hub here, and we've pointed to it several times already. But this is the hub of the danger of what's going on. Is not just you know even the praying through saints. I think the you know I'm kind of reading between the lines. The reformers would probably say you know just. Praying through the saints—that's bad, but that's not as bad as what's really going on, which is that you're making them mediators of redemption. You're 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 allowing them, um, you know, to to replace Christ, and that's really really dangerous.
3: And this is where we see the, the why this is such a big deal. Like you just said, and we've talked many times of um, of if people say oh, it's not that big of a deal, it's just a little thing. It's like, yeah, but all of this is so interconnected. You go from whether we can pray to someone who has died and you get to the point of you've just turned that person into the uh, replacement for Christ himself, you know, and, and, and it's not even that giant of a leap. It's, it's something that does happen right there, you know? And so when um, you've said people throw the baby out with the bath water, if we're talking reformation, depending on the side, we might say baby out with the baptismal water. Right. Um, you know, um, <laughs> thank you. We're going to get you. sound <laughs> effects on this show eventually.
1: It'll <laughs> yeah, make it better. Where's our do.
3: soundboard? I know, right? Um, <clears throat> but just the fact that if we throw out all of the teaching and we throw out and suggest that all the stuff is just unconnected, disconnected one way or the other, we see that it all really is connected. We see that all of this stuff is so intertwined that one little thing of I'm going to pray to this person turns into you're going to them instead of Christ. And now you've just made them the important thing.
2: Well, and I, I think as Lutherans, we have an example of where, where this happened. And I've, I've been making several historical claims throughout this episode. Feel free to correct me at any time if I was wrong on them. But when when Luther had his his moment in the storm and the tree struck by lightning and he cries out to be saved, who, he doesn't cry out to God. He doesn't cry out to Jesus for his physical salvation. He cries out to St. Anne, I believe, right? Who, according to tradition, is the mother of Mary. Interesting. So, I mean, look how far... So, if we're talking about, okay, what does this actually look like? How does this actually happen? Okay, well, here's Luther. Grown up, life in the church, known to be a very pious individual, even before he became a monk, you know, at least somewhat pious there. When tragedy strikes, when danger strikes, he has been taught to call out not to god to save him but the church has taught him to call out to saint anne and it's not even the mother of jesus it's the mother of the mother of jesus i mean we're getting further and further out here
0: yeah and and that's certainly a historical case where this is true I, i i have still seen this today i was watching a documentary this being the anniversary of what happened 17 years ago Uh, 9-11 hitting the World Trade Centers, right, uh, with the airplanes and and all that happened there and that followed. And I was watching a documentary about those who had served in the war that that followed that. And there was a soldier in there talking about some of the difficult days that he went through in the war and so forth. And he had, like, little figurines of saints that he was clinging to in the midst of this. And so, like, this kind of Mm -hmm. thing is still going on even here in America and 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 it's really dangerous because why in the midst of this difficult time are you clinging to anything other than Christ for your hope yeah and comfort L. that wasn't a question to you <laughs> it was just a broad statement but i know that you wanted to say something with about a minute left we to got to go, so stop wasting oh, time
1: okay then i will say something uh in all of this and and part of this goes to the treasury of merits uh Wait, we didn't get that far yet. Never mind. We haven't gotten um, there. <laughs> no, we'll save that one for next week. Our faith We're not is always next week, but somebody will get to it next week. Okay. Our there faith is always in Christ, and <laughs> when our faith is in Christ, we talk about He who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. But we also talk about the great cloud of witnesses and the encouragement that they provide. This comes to us from the book of Hebrews, and after the book of Hebrews talks about the great cloud of witnesses, it goes on to talk about Adam and abraham and noah and david and and all these others who have gone before us who are the witnesses of god's faithfulness to them that's the same way we consider the saints today
0: that's certainly a great point and where's the place that you can gather together with angels archangels and the whole company of heaven that's in the divine service so go gather together around christ his gifts for you and, and receive his gifts for you, but gather together with that great cloud of saintly witnesses that uh, have always confessed Christ. So thanks for stopping by today and confessing Christ with us. And until next time, honor more saints and keep confessing, church.